0: Mm-hmm. Hi Catherine, welcome to the Boguslavsky & Co. podcast. Um, I'm so happy that you agreed to be interviewed today. And for our listeners, I first want to give a little bit of background. So we have known each other, I was thinking this on the drive here, for over a decade. Wow. Which doesn't sound like it has been like that, but it is. Uh, we met in 2009. I was a digital marketing manager for Bread on Africa, and you were just starting out in the marketing department. And I remember you coming into my little office, <laughs> I remember, and you introduced yourself and you said, if I can help you with anything, just come to me. And I was so blown away by that because um, I just didn't expect that. And you were one of the friendliest people on the team. And something that I found working with you is that you have a really high EQ and that, yeah, and that you're really good with, people and you have very strong interpersonal skills i remember our third-party suppliers in africa used to love working with you like they would come in and just ask for catherine do you remember that
1: <laughs> yes uh, fun um, times
0: um so i also remember having someone call you used to put me as a reference um, so i remember having someone call me and they asked me about you and i said if you want to do your organization a favor, put her in a customer-focused role because she is so strong at that. So that's why it's one of the reasons I'm really excited to learn about your career. Now, I find it's better for the guests to introduce themselves. So can you talk a little bit about your background and an overview of your career? And then we're going to delve deeper into that.
1: Okay. So thank you for having me here. Um, this is my first podcast. Um, But obviously, it's conversational, and I'm very keen to do this. My background, well, where do I start? Obviously, my first job was with you. That's very interesting. Um,
0: I was not your manager. Let's just say that for the record. I know, but there was a reason
1: why I put you as my reference. Because you were relevant.
0: (laughs) Yes. So basically we had an interesting, challenging work environment. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Very fulfilling, <hopefully> though. Only, <laughs>
1: uh, only learning happened from yes. the every <laughs> level of learning. Yes. But it, it was like the starting block. So basically my background starts with um my studies. So I studied a marketing management BTEC. Degree, I suppose, at CPUT in Cape Town. And then I moved on to my very first job immediately after graduating, which I was not expecting. Um, and that's where I happened to meet you. Um, that didn't last very long. That was about six months, um, because obviously, you know, the company was going to um, close down that marketing department eventually. So I found another position. And these are all very junior positions, um, but very relevant in shaping the way that things happened. Um, moved on to another position, assistant position at Energizer, and then I decided to completely change the entire game and go and be a flight attendant. Yes,
0: yeah, so I actually have a question about that. Um, what was your motivation? Uh, what, what are some of the motivating factors for you becoming an air hostess?
1: Honestly, the thought had never crossed my mind. I don't even know why I decided to go for that interview. But I did a five-year plan when I uh, left uh, high school. And one of them was to get a degree and the other one was to travel the world. And I actually don't even remember what else I put on there. (laughs) (laughs) But I think growing up with um, series like Sex in the City and a lot of other business sort of um related content that you see in the magazines that we used to read back then obviously okay. not as many blog posts and stuff um I was always going to be focused on being a career woman okay. so like quite an independent fierce sassy person
0: okay. <laughs> which you are but how does you study marketing and then something makes you want to become an air host? so simply this is because from our own perspective. I, I could never be in the hostess, yes. (laughs) Um, what was it the jet setter lifestyle? What was it that attracted you
1: to it? Honestly, it was like it was the travel aspect. Um, and I think somebody just told me about this opportunity. I mean, I was working, I had a job, I was in marketing. And I think when you're that age though, I was what, twenty? two or 21 That's really young. Okay. 22 21, you sort of look at your career and you go i've got you've got all this time you think you've got all this time in the world ahead of you so you have opportunities and time to do a lot of different things that don't only involve your career so you're you very really like bright-eyed bushy tailed yes. not that i'm not now <laughs> yes. but you're open to a lot more things because you don't have anything tying you down yet or, or keeping you in one space so i just went for the interview um, I didn't even make it the first time and then what? when, when, Qatar, Airways, when <laughs> Qatar Airways does the recruitment days yes. you go and um, you sit in your thousands of goals and it's an elimination process over a period of three days oh, yeah. and I went my dad still took me the first yeah. day because <laughs> I don't I didn't think I had a car and um, I didn't make it past the first round and then yeah. I went again um, a couple of weeks later they were here again and just for some reason I actually you you make it there are thousands of girls that apply and then you um at the final day which is the third day of callback they are about 20 and it was just I think the appeal was really just to travel and to see the world and explore things on a non-academic level because when you just study and you only know theory I feel like you're not entirely equipped yet you have to have some kind of life experience so I think that was a motivating factor and obviously the the point that I'd actually put it in my five-year plan to want to travel the world and like being a baroque graduate (laughs) (laughs) doesn't really allow you to to travel so I think that was a combination of those and just also, just like taking a leap of faith and stepping out on some kind of whim, yeah. um, and also it being quite a big company and so quite a secure way to do that. You're not dabbling in anything that's unsure and too risky.
0: Yeah. yeah. What did being an air host test teach you about dealing with people and approaching people? I found in the past that any customer centric roles are invaluable to marketing to people as you truly start to
1: understand how to speak to people okay honestly from a from a personal point of view i, I can be i'm what you call a social introvert <laughs> i find it hard to believe i find you so social really so not. what does a social introvert mean so it's the, okay what you would understand or the normal person would understand because i'm not a psychology major or anything as an introvert would be you're you're more. Um, close, not close off, but you don't really enjoy social settings when you have to meet that many people. Mm-hmm. It's almost anxiety inducing for you mm-hmm. um, or you feel a little bit nervous but you want to be there. Um, but when I say I'm a social introvert, I like being out. Yeah. But when I'm out, I want to be with my people like okay. people that I know and and feel comfortable with so you
0: made a lot of friends I remember from uh, being in a hostess
1: from all yes, over the world absolutely Have and you kept in I'm, touch absolutely that's amazing um my friends actually there are quite a few that live all over so I mean in the UK in the US it's incredible
0: especially yeah. for traveling
1: exactly <laughs> okay I'm coming to visit you <laughs> but what it taught me really was um not to be afraid of people, (laughs) not that I actually physically was afraid of people, but when you start working at an airline in the Middle East, like Qatar Airways, you are exposed to, I think at the time there were about 110 nationalities, different nationalities that were working there. And so you don't work... um, like a typical office environment so when you do a flight you don't always have the same set of people with you so every single flight that you operate was with a completely different set of people so you're going to be on an aircraft working with these people that you just met in the briefing room that's two hours tough ago that's a social
0: intro though,
1: right <laughs> but you know what I think because everybody lived in Doha everybody came from their respective countries to come and live there you almost had a, a connectedness yeah I found yeah. it in, uh, yeah. I was an
0: exchange student in St. at State University in America, and your friends become your family because your family isn't there. Is that how you found it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And it's yeah. it's a lot easier because... And you don't
0: feel that in South Africa, I find.
1: I was just going yeah. yeah.
0: Are your friends? That's wonderful. But they're not your family.
1: Yes. Like they are where
0: you are completely alone.
1: Yes, because yes. everybody's alone. You're all in the same boat. Um so you, you, you're you forced, basically, not forced, but you're with girls that are like-minded. So most the majority of the girls that started out were all graduates, taking either their gap year or it was the year after graduation. So you had a lot to relate to. And you also lived in the same buildings. You were all around the same age. Um, and it is very different, like you say, because when I moved to Johannesburg from Cape Town, yeah. you don't have that set of people that you started with and went through like seven weeks of training in exactly the same location. Um, it, it, it's harder. But it's basically, it taught me to uh, be very tolerant of different cultures and mannerisms and the way that people engage with you. Um, so you understand the dynamics of, of different people's personalities and you learn not to take things personally. I
0: love that. Yeah. I love that.
1: Um, now, you did, you
0: grew an a hostess for a couple of years, right? And then um, you went through quite a challenging period of your life. Uh, simply as a friend who watched you, I remember I was in Cape Town during that, you came back and you basically, you came back from literally a jet setter lifestyle and you came back to live with your family in their house. You weren't living alone. I don't even think you had a car at that time. I remember you did have a car. And I remember you were telling me, you just want to save your money. <laughs> you don't want to spend it yet until you're working. And... You went through a little bit of a long period of being unemployed. I just remember meeting you for coffee a few times yeah. and we would talk about that. How did you stay strong mentally during that
1: time? Okay. Do you know what? I went with the um goal of only doing it for a year or two. So I was always going to come back because I knew I I studied, I graduated, and I felt at the time that if I stay away too long, I'm not going to be able to integrate into the job market as easily as I would want to. But then when I did come back, you're right, I was unemployed for. I think it was three months or four months oh, that's not that which long. in hindsight I thought
0: it was longer no okay. no in yeah.
1: hindsight it felt like two years yeah, I thought maybe
0: because you were communicating about that a lot during the time I thought it was longer that's not
1: a long time at all no I think sometimes I want to be an overachiever you know okay. Okay. but but when you fly and you have that type of job and you come back home yeah you have to come back home and be very humble okay. <laughs> unless you have a large, large amount of money saved up and okay. you just go buy a property or whatever it is and live there and you have a job lined up. But if you don't, um, it is quite challenging because as much as flying as a career is an amazing opportunity um, to gain life experience, um, if you're not going to work in hospitality when you come back, if that wasn't your major or your degree or whatever you study, then it's a little bit irrelevant okay. in the marketing industry. Yeah. So it was quite hard, but I knew that you had to just come back and go through that period where it's going to be tough. So you mentally prepare yourself before you go because you know it. And also you learn from past other people's past experiences of going through the same thing that it's a little bit challenging because you don't have the relevant experience. And then you may have been a graduate, but you haven't worked in that field. So I think the thing that allowed me or, or gave me a strength was, you know what? It's a desire. You must want it. Honestly, I've always thought about this, like what really pushes certain people, but, it, but it's a desire. So that's why people do goal setting. That's why, you know, you plan ahead because you have to want it. You, I don't really believe in just winging it for the majority of no, things. No, no, no. So I believe in having a plan. So if you really set your mind on it and you have the desire, the will, you must want it. Like it maybe can't be enough though
0: to have the desire, though I find there must be action behind it.
1: Look, you it's, have it's to be. So if you just
0: had a desire, but you weren't applying for every
1: single role and going for every single, oh, there's no, no, zero of chance of you. I think getting the it. desire just feels like your execution yes, of yes, what you need exactly to do. That, exactly
0: that. Because if you don't
1: that. have any will to want to have a job, for instance, yeah, you're not I'm not really gonna apply ambitious, for it. So yeah. yeah, all my actions follow that. It yeah. sounds like it's the same for you. Yeah, so yes. it stems from yeah. that. But like, you need some kind of energy to be able to get you out of bed in the morning yeah. and actually go and apply for jobs because it's can be really, really off putting you, you were a little
0: bit low at one point. I remember. was
1: yeah absolutely because yeah. you kind of, you start thinking, wow, maybe I yeah, shouldn't have, have left. Oh you start like it's
0: never I'm not qualified enough. Yeah.
1: I should never have gone yeah. and you question yourself. Yeah. Um but you really just have to believe in yourself and yeah. and your goal and also sit and go, I did the work before in my case I did study. I had worked for about a year. I had a good internship.
0: You're yeah, an um, amazing reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the
1: best person to put down is my reference. I
0: think I had three different people call Yeah. Really? I, think, yeah,
1: I, I was, was just applying and work. applying and yeah. applying and yeah. applying.
0: Yeah, always said nice things. Um, So you went from that kind of dark time in your career to launching one of the most successful hair brands in South Africa.
1: Talk to our listeners a little bit about that. Okay, so... It's funny how I stumbled upon that. I've Obviously. but Okay, so let me
0: touch upon, you just said the word stumbled, and yet before you said the only way to really succeed is to have the desire and action. So you didn't really stumble. It's like people who say that's lucky. There's an element of luck, but if you don't have the hard work behind it, and the ambition, it's not
1: really luck, is it? Yes, you, you have to prepare yeah. um, in order for you to be able to actually grasp yes. your opportunity exactly. when it does come exactly. your way. Um Look, I um, started working at Click's head office in the marketing department. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> I had, that was my first click? job after I came Can back.
0: You? I worked in the head office. Why did I get no
1: discount? Because <laughs> I didn't get a discount okay. either. <laughs> no, I started working in the marketing department, super junior role. Um, and they were just sort of like contract positions. They weren't giving... Um, full-time positions, permanent positions, um, but it was the marketing department, it was the club card division, which is your your customer-facing, I guess, department, the most customer-facing department, and there I was exposed to all the buyers in the retail sector, and Clix is your um, cosmetic pharmaceutical retailer. So I was exposed to a lot of personal care and beauty brands. And obviously, I'm very girly girl. So I love beauty. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. And I started going natural.
0: But Catherine, yeah, she's very much a girly girl, like she described. And she's very into her makeup and skincare and hair. And she's fabulous hair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I forgot to say, when I was flying, I was introduced to natural hair care which is the curly That's hair care products. And um, so at Clix, obviously, I was exposed from the retailer point of view. And then um, as a natural progression, I started, I, um, my contracts ended at Clix, and I got a position at Herbix Health. That's right. Yes. So I was at Herbix for almost five years, and I started in 2013. And in 2014, I pitched an idea to the owner of the company, Mr. Bassett.
0: He's great. Um, I've worked with him as well and he's great. I have a lot of
1: respect for him. So, because Herbix is a your Western herbal medicine sort of brand, mm-hmm. an all-natural herbal brand, um, and they'd introduced as I started there, a herbal pet brand and because I'd become really interested in the natural hair care space from traveling such a lot the the industry started in the U.S. and more globally obviously before it gets to South Africa and I had an idea one day because we were we were actually developing doing new product development for a shampoo for dogs And it was (laughs) sulfate-free.
0: The (laughs) weirdest thing ever. Guys, inside the tips on how to launch a famous hair care brand.
1: A shampoo for dogs. Yeah, it was a sulfate-free, so S-L-E-S, free shampoo for dogs. So the brand manager at the time was discussing it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm really interested in natural hair. And all the shampoos now are sulfate-free. And then I was like, okay, brainwave, I can introduce a... Hair care range because at the time in 2014, there were almost no natural hair care brands for textured hair, so your curly type of hair in SA and the market had become massive in the US, and naturally that moves on to our market after about five to eight years. So I, um, I spoke to my, my line manager at the time, and then I spoke to Eddie and I asked if I could pitch an idea. Yeah. So this is me with like That's zero sort of like experience as a brand manager or anything. What was the
0: title of your role at the time? Oh my goodness. It
1: was marketing assistant. Okay. was marketing assistant, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so sort of like in the digital space and the admin space. Okay. Um, so you went from a relatively
0: junior role to being basically a product manager,
1: right? Well, I mean, I manager, pitched it, it in 2014 manager. Yeah. and it only... Launched in 2016, so I was but doing my role and then starting that, that, that role. You kind
0: of were with it from the beginning, so you oh, now absolutely. know how
1: to launch. A you brand. get that um, there's a certain feeling that you get um, when you were the one, or you were part of a team who pitched a completely new idea, and then it actually actualized yes. into being something that's on the shelf with a online huge, presence. Though.
0: You right. had a lot of PR. I think I was pregnant and I don't remember. I didn't notice a lot of it. I was coming back into the country from Dubai, but I just remember reading a lot of PR around it. There was a lot of PR and seeing your face everywhere.
1: (laughs) That was a strategy. (laughs) Do you know what? Um, Bringing into what the topic of our podcast is, this podcast is about, which is the intersection of marketing, psychology, and digital. Um, At the time, uh, because it was my little idea that we had pitched, um, they were not going to give me a Herbix budget, which is involving TV and no, not radio, but like mass media and non-affordable media for a startup brand. Yeah. So I, I obviously understood the dynamic of social media at that time, um, the power that it had, and also it's more affordable. That was actually before paid advertising was necessary, necessary. So you could get a lot of organic okay, growth. Okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's what I was going to ask you. How did you use digital to build
1: a community? Okay, so um, we have we had a really good team of designers and. Did you people. manage them all? Um, the designers were part of the company, okay. so definitely needed to brief them, sit okay. down, manage the whole process. Okay. Uh, Just decided to start on social media platforms because when when we did research into it, the customer that was in that particular market was your millennial customer, first and foremost, and obviously not limited to that, but that customer was consuming media on digital platforms like YouTube, like Instagram, and like Facebook at the time, um, and less so on your traditional platforms. So we used it as in trying to differentiate ourselves by making it a South African brand, because there were a lot of, and there still are a lot of international brands that people are really drawn to because of the hype that they've built up. Um, then also, making sure that our aesthetic on, on the social media platforms was a delight for the consumers. So you remember
0: storytelling what- was a big part of it. storytelling
1: yes Yes. so having campaigns that really resonated with with a story that this your typical target market consumer um can identify with because this story that they had which was the common narrative is you know the transition from having your chemically straightened hair in this case to your natural glowing self so it's like your makeover your glow up story and a lot of women identify with that right you it's it's um you you feel it when somebody talks to you about their struggle and how not only a brand but just a whole community of people and people going through the same thing, especially when it when it involves your identity as a person, because your hair, no matter who you are and what kind of hair you have, it is such a big part of for a woman, especially your beauty and the way you present yourself. So Really, it was identifying certain narratives, making sure that people knew it was a South African brand and that it was also backed by a certain person because I'd studied so many cases of other brands where when you have one person who has a story that people can really relate to, um, it seems to attract people. Yeah.
0: Um, Something I found is that I think the perception was in the media and to us and your friends, that you were almost the founder and the owner of this brand, right? This is not the case, right? No. <laughs> how was it – but you don't have a baby yet. But Oh, she's not pregnant. This is not a pregnancy <laughs> announcement. But how was it to almost – I know building a brand is like having a baby. It's not. I have a baby and it's not. But it does almost feel like that before you have a baby. How was it to step away from that and to take on a different role? Yeah, it was
1: quite interesting how people just assumed it was mine and everyone I it. Everyone I spoke to, everyone. Because this I never said that brand. at any point. <laughs> yes. But but I can understand the why. perception, the perception yeah. was there. Yes. Um, because it was my idea. So I guess that was always when I was in conversation with people was like, No, I had this idea because I was seeing this in other countries and we hadn't had enough of the marketing. But blah, for blah, the blah, podcast blah. purposes, let's note this is a herbex brand, right? Yes. yes, yeah. It's a herbex okay. brand. So um how did I how, step away? Yes. Yeah, you because know it's I, not it's working her, in Herbex anymore, right? No, yes. obviously I've moved on since yes. then. Um, that was quite interesting. So I was approached by another company um, almost after five years of working at Herbex. Yeah. Um, and they're in the same industry and made me an amazing offer. Okay. Um, and it's, it would have been... Herbex is a local company that's a multinational. And so for me it felt like okay, so this is a step in my career. But you know, I really had to sit with myself and go, Here's this thing that I bought, and it's gaining so much relevant traction in the right industries. You know, it's if you I don't know what it is at now, if you um Look at the hashtag on social media for natural hair. It has so many hits. You know, it's such an amazing space to be in at the time and still is. Um, So you have this, like your heart wants to stay with it. But I've always been quite um, analytical in making big decisions. So you kind of look at it from a practical point of view. I try to be very practical also. You are.
0: You're not a very emotional person. Yes.
1: Well, for career decisions. My boyfriend is safe very different
0: For <laughs> so career decisions, I would say.
1: Yeah. Yes. So I wasn't going to be silly. I sat down. Obviously, I spoke to my family, spoke to some close friends yeah. and people in industry, yeah. and just sort of like assessed it and weighed up all the pros and cons of both options as much as I loved it. Um, if I had any kind of equity or stake in it, I would absolutely have stayed. Okay. But because you want to you want to see something for grow. Equity? No, not really. Okay. Maybe only towards the end, but okay. it was a little bit too late. Did you um, think you learned something from that? If
0: you pitch again, oh, absolutely, yeah. okay. absolutely. I was just you that, know what? Right. You
1: live and you learn, yes. you grow. Yes. Sometimes, I mean, we all have our moments yes. when we're naive, or yes. when you are the smart person. Yes. Um, it is what it is, and I, I love it still. But I did decide to take the next step because I wanted my career to progress. Now,
0: what is your role now, and where are you working?
1: So I work at a company called Urban Laboratories. Okay. Uh, I'm the marketing and product development manager. Phenomenal title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we manage about five different brands or ethnic hair care brands in Africa. And so we import, we manufacture as well, and we distribute to the major retailers like you pick and pay clicks, shop right, checkers, etc. cetera. Um, it's been a very, it's a multinational company. Um, a lot of signatures to get. <laughs> but I have learned an amazing amount of insight, I guess I can say. I've I've got an, an amazing amount of insight from taking that leap of faith and leaving something that you're so comfortable and happy with, but stepping into the unknown almost. Yeah. Although it is in my industry, it's still beauty, personal care. Yeah. Um, I've learned more aspects of the beauty and personal care industry in Africa, and South Africa. So more of the markets, more More data. Yes, I have access to more data. I can understand certain patterns better. And I've obviously got a much bigger portfolio of brands. And I still do product development. So we work on site um, at the manufacturing plant. There is a laboratory inside. Um, So I work with a formulator, I mean, a massive part of my role is developing new products for those brands, um, and I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I have two questions that we've been speaking for almost half an hour, which is the length of this podcast. Um, so, what is if anyone's listening in the and they work in the hair industry globally, what is your ultimate hair brand to work with? Who should be getting in touch with you <laughs> one day? One day. What is the dream brand? Everyone has the dream brand they want to work. Which one is it for you?
1: Oh my goodness! um I'm gonna have to say it's not it's not a specific brand per se. um I would want to work in a well let me let, let me say Aveda or A which is a natural brand in the U.S. It was the first natural hair care brand that I ever purchased when I was a flight attendant. And I was mesmerized by the picture on the wall of the lady with the curly hair. I still can't (laughs) believe I got duped like this. (laughs) But it's probably Aveda because they are um, plant-based, natural hair care brand, but really professional formulations um, obviously, I don't, I don't know very much about them but when I think of the essence of the brand and what they stand for, that's something or a brand that I would love to work with I'll tag them on Twitter so, <laughs> <laughs> so they can listen to this, and finally, last question
0: so there's a psychological theory about how adopting a growth mindset leads to better performance and greater fulfillment. What is this something you work on?
1: yes, do you know what um if you are a certain type of person, which I believe you are as well, you have, you have goals, you have ambitions, um, you have a vision that you have for yourself. It's not always going to actualize into exactly what you see, but your progression will still be at that level where, and whenever you reach that point. And I feel like um, most people want to grow. They want to achieve certain things. Um, if you don't have that desire to be to get to that point, um, and without the desire, you don't have the energy to execute everything Absolutely. that needs to be done to be able to get there. Then you almost feel a little bit empty. Yes, I know. I went through a period where sometimes everybody goes through it. I think where you you're not progressing. You you know you you're dabbling in a couple you're a of bit things. Stagnant, yes, yes.
0: And, and, and I hate that feeling. And
1: usually yes. because you 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 don't know no. that you're getting to that point, but yes. when you're there and you reflect, yes. you go, okay, it's probably because I don't have my goals have sort of like altered and I'm not on track with what I wanted to do. I would
0: 100% agree with this last year. Yeah. I spent a lot of time. Okay. fitting into a new city, scheduling play dates, finding a <laughs> play school, But I wasn't as focused on my business as I should have been. And the results were equivalent to that. And as soon as you start, I mean, I've had so much traction in the first week of January, more than mm-hmm. I've had for mm-hmm. half a year last year. So it, it's, yeah, you need to be focused. Yeah, because you agree you, to what you're saying. Yeah, you feel a, a level of almost
1: emptiness mm. because you are an ambitious person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Catherine, thank you so much. It's been amazing speaking to you. We've learned so much. Avida, Aveda, however you pronounce it, get in touch with Catherine. Okay. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thanks.